Hey everyone, Coach Jonathan here from Trainer Road, and welcome to the Ask a Cycling Coach podcast presented by Trainer Road. Today we have a special episode where we sat down with Liz Lyles, Ironman triathlete, ninth place finisher at Kona in the pro class last year, Ironman Western Australia winner, and also winner of this year's Wildflower Triathlon. She's getting ready right now to go into Kona for another top-level performance, but we sat down with her a few months back just after her Wildflower win and talked about how to become a faster triathlete. So sit back, listen in, or if you're on the trainer, keep working hard and enjoy the podcast. All right, everybody, thanks for your patience there. Welcome to the VIP webinar with uh, Liz Lyles, professional triathlete uh, for Specialized uh, Man uh, Sugoi and everything else. You're good. And yeah, I guess uh, you've got a lot of new sponsors this year, so you've got a lot of them. We'll run through those in a bit. Um, but it's good to have you here, Liz. You just came off of an awesome performance at Wildflower and uh, a pretty well-known triathlon. So we'll break that down today. So she's good. Mm-hmm. She's good. Perfect. All right. Uh, Chad. Um, Chad. Coach Chad's with us here. Coach Chad Timmerman. Good to have you, Coach. Thanks for having me. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Liz, good to have you here. Thank you for having me back. Sure thing. Sure thing. Um, we're going to get things kicked off here by kind of giving people an intro on your background, a little bit okay. of where you come from and everything else. So um, we've done one of these before, but this one's going to go into a little bit more with some specificity here. So first of all, where are you from and how in the world did you get into triathlon? So I'm from the Bay Area, um, but I started off swimming at a really young, at about age five, um, and then it got really competitive on the kind of local swim team. And I also started soccer at that time, so I've always been into pretty much every single sport. Nice. From from soccer to dance to riding my bike to anything that's related to sports. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's perfect. Um, and... So what brought you to Reno? How did you make that step? Um, so that? my hus- my husband and I met at the University of Arizona, and we moved to San Diego because he's from San Diego, kind of like the hub of triathlon, and that's kind of where I got my first taste for triathlon and kind of fell in love with the sport. Um, but then we wanted to, we're so outdoorsy, we just wanted to move somewhere that there wasn't so much traffic and you could access, you know, trails and Lake Tahoe and just kind of be um, out in nature a little bit more. So we found Reno, and we absolutely love it. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. That's cool. That's awesome. And, and you're training at Elevation here? Training at Elevation definitely helps. Yeah, yep. certainly. Makes a big difference. And is the, the climate, though, is a little severe at times, or do you think it's good? You- yeah, it can be. I mean, this month, this week, I'm definitely getting really grumpy with the weather. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're getting a lot of rain. It's cold. Can't decide if it's summer one day or winter the next. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that can be tough. Um, so you got into triathlon um, kind of in San Diego and got into that whole deal. And then how did you actually get into, like, elite-level performance stuff? Because a lot of us do triathlon, but at just a casual level. So what was the tipping point? What caused you to go further than most? I think just having the experience of, you know, being a swimmer and a runner young definitely helped. And then I think I'm super competitive, but really taking it to the next level was I just started with some local half marathons, marathons, and kind of just went from there. Then I crossed, got a coach after I had my kids for triathlon and put really put me on a program that um, when it's structured and you kind of know what you're doing when you're training and recovering, 
you know, learning all that was, was definitely the next step. Perfect. So very cool. Um, yeah, I remember you winning the daughter Lake triathlon, right? Yeah. So that was winning. That was kind of a big deal. Daughter Lake try. And then after that you moved into half distance stuff eventually, right? Um, yeah. So Donner Lake, and then I had done some half Ironmans and, and Kona as an age grouper. Wow. So I thought maybe, okay, that was good. I've tried it. And after the kids, I just thought maybe I should take it up to a level and nice. see what happens. And if I had done, you know, not that well, then I, at least I would have tried and never regretted not trying. So just kind of, it happened. It Awesome. And you went and your what's your strength as a triathlete? You're, you said you were a swimmer, but you're also a really good runner, right? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the running is definitely my strength, but you know, I'm definitely coming around on the bike. The more, um, I use trainer road and the more that experience I get year to year, just learning how to ride is a big part of it. And so and to compete at the level you're at, you have to be good at all three disciplines. You can't really. Right. You have to be good. It's, it is tough. So the swimming, some swimmers, you know, can be, get like a six to eight minute lead off on the swim. And they're also good bikers and they're good runners, but you it's kind of finding that balance of how hard you can push yourself. And then I need to be able to run a three hour marathon to be competitive with the swimmers, biker runners. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's within your capacity, of course, to run that three hour marathon. Right. So you yeah. kind of use that as like a constant, if you can perform there, then it's time to push some more focus over to swimming and biking. To, and exactly. Things. Yeah. And actually I'm focusing right now, I'm pushing the bike and then push, seeing how hard I can push on the bike and is my run still going to be there. And so far the first two races this year have proved to be, I'm on the right track. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So, so we're going to talk about one of those races. So you did Oceanside, right? Uh-huh. That was first. And how did Oceanside go? It was, I was happy with my race. I was not happy with my swim. Um, I don't seem to swim well in cold water, I think, maybe because I'm just little or something and I get cold super easily. So I'm never really able to swim well there. But the bike, you know, I had the strongest power or watts I've had, you know, ever. And I was happy with my time. And then the top girls just kind of were like six minutes faster. And so it's like, geez, everyone is just getting faster and faster and faster. So last year's bike time that I biked for the winning time was now six minutes faster. Wow. So it's just getting so much more competitive. And then I was happy I had the fourth fastest run. And, you know, I was happy with the time on that. So awesome. it was kind of that race was figuring out the tweaking, you know, what shoes am I going to wear? What's going to be comfortable? What, where should I put my nutrition on the bike? How much should I have? So it was kind of like playing with that. And then I, after that race, I had it pretty much nailed down for nice. wildflower. And that's what we really, we really want to talk about today is wildflower and okay. kind of break down, um, more or less everything that we can about the race. So, um, we'll get into the actual course itself first, and then we'll get into your performance. And we, we went through and we crunched some numbers. And we kind of figured out some splits and everything else. And, and I think that we can, I'm excited for what we can learn from your performance there. So that's what we'll be focusing on. But first off with the course, um, 61.1 miles, does that sound about right? For the loop itself there around the lake? Wasn't it 50? I think it's 55. It was 55. 55. So I might, I don't know how that extra. Yeah. 
might have gotten in there, but yeah, I'm sure that they tacked on some extra on the course map then. Yeah, so it's and it's roughly, but it's a it's a fair amount of climbing. In some spots, it's pretty flat, but then there's that they call it nasty grade, uh-huh. right? Is that uh-huh. that's actually the name of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's not really ever flat. <laughs> it's pretty much a you know rollers like and then a big climb, kind of the first ten miles. Not a big climb, but a you know slight climb, and then it's kind of. Um, falls flat up, falls flats down. So, and then, yeah, the big climb at the end is pretty steep. And there's quite a long period of, towards the beginning of the bike leg where you're, it seems like you're pretty exposed. It's kind of flat, I guess, around you. Like you said, it's a false flat when you're going up on the road, but mm-hmm. I assume you're pretty exposed to wind and everything else. To, yeah, point. for sure. There's wind and sun, no, no shade. And then the climb comes at the end or well, close to the end. Yeah. The, I think mile 40. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, and that's a pretty rough climb, 900 feet in elevation gain. Uh-huh. And I saw it tips up to like 12% in a couple of spots. Right. So Good. that's, yeah, yeah. That's a steep climb. Yeah. Really steep climb. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you swam in the lake, uh, not Lake Nascimento. It's right by it, right? Yeah. It's Lake San Antonio, Lake San Antonio, but the lake is actually dry. So we swam kind of at the very end of the lake where all the remaining water is collected <laughs> gotcha. and it's more of a creek but it, it had the water was great it seemed clean um and there was enough room you know to do a 1.2 mile swim the pro the hard part was after that swim the boat ramp is like a quarter mile like i don't even 10 percent greater something wow so that's and then you have to run two mi- two point two miles to transition where we would have normally swam in sand and dirt. Holy cow! So yeah, it's like there's actually three transitions. So you transition there, run to the transition, then you take off your run shoes, then you put on your bike shoes, and then you go out on the bike. Did you know that was coming? Up? Yeah, because okay. that's how it was last year too with the drought. Okay. Yeah. I can imagine being pretty surprised by an extra transition <laughs> and a run. <laughs> yeah, two mile run. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty substantial. Holy cow. And it, yeah, it's drought conditions, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Um, what type of rider do you know? Like, does this type of course favor a person that's the the bigger bodied person that can put down that hard power? Does it favor the light person that's a good climber? It seems like it, it has a little bit of both with that steep climb and then the false flat areas, but... Do you feel like you have an advantage on this course or a disadvantage on the bike? Um, I feel like being smaller, I have an advantage going up the hills. I've really been working on um, descending and trying to push it the biggest gear possible going downhill so I don't lose a ton of time. Um, but I think it favors probably the, the bigger girls who can put a, down a lot of watts. You know, Rachel McBride is a super biker and Heather Jackson is amazing biker as well. So I definitely think it favors the biker, the girls who can put down. Yeah. You are up against some stiff competition. I mean, wildflower always brings out a lot of strong Mm -hmm. riders. I mean, on the men's side, there were the top of the top for for half distance triathlon. And on the women's side, it was the top of the top too. Mm -hmm. Are you, you're not necessarily a half person. I mean, you've done really well at full distance as well, right? Right. I'm, I just use the half for training for the full. But you did pretty well. Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no, I mean, I've raced it. I definitely raced, but, um, did you go into it with the intention of winning? 
Well, yeah, yeah I, mean, I wanted. It's always in the back of your mind. I yeah. Realize that, but did you think I'm here to win this? I'm not here to train through it. I'm. Yeah, I was here to win it, but I was here. Of course, I wanted to go out and try and win it, but my goal here was to not look at anything on the bike. So I didn't. I covered up um, my watts with tape. Okay. And I, I'm not going to like stress because sometimes your Watts can be super high if you're pushing and, but you feel okay. But if you see that, I was thinking, Ooh, I might think I'm stop pushing so hard. You're going too hard. And then when you see they're like, maybe not where you want them to be, you think I suck. And you start mentally down talking yourself. Like I'm not having a good day. My Watts aren't high. So I just covered it and decided I'm just going to race. I'm just going to focus on the girl ahead of me don't let anyone catch me and focus on racing and trying to win the race without, um, getting caught up in kind of all that, right. The numbers. And you've had a pretty good off season with the bike, right? I mean, you've done a lot of training. I've improved on that massively. Yeah. I've done a lot of training and I've gotten a good feel for kind of how hard I'm, I, I can pretty much predict, you know, when you're, I'm riding, I could look down and think, okay, I'm at this many Watts. So that's that's one thing, Chad, that you always bring up, right? Mm-hmm. Is that that data? It's not necessarily yeah. something to live and die by. Yeah, it can't be data dependent, device mm-hmm. dependent. It has to be organic and natural at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you never know when you're going to lose power data. I mean, your power meter, because the battery can go out or anything. Yeah. And if you are dependent upon power, what are you going to do? You know, if you don't have that, if you don't use it just to inform your perception, like you always say, you know, that's that's the key. Um, so that's kind of smart, I, I think. And something that it's not to say that using power data is bad in a race, but but certainly you have to understand that it's a double edged sword, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Sides to that coin for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dig into it a little more then. Um, let's talk about the swim first. So where you don't have a power meter. Um, so the swim, like you said, it was. Did you guys do tight little loops? Then, then no. You, so it was all the I way. Picture you like tadpoles in a pond no. now that she said it was dried up. <laughs> it was a big. It was big enough to okay. go. You know, we went a full one point two. Perfect. Um, your swim was twenty six fifty one, so that was the time on it. Um, you're the sixth female, which you let you left the water with the front group. Am I right? There were a few stragglers that were up ahead, but right. So we all started kind of standing on the dock, and they then we they blew the horn, and uh, the fast swimmers kind of get away immediately. But then I was able to stick with a pack of three other girls. Did you know who you were with, or did you just try to stick with the swimmers that were just around? I, th- I think I knew I was swimming with Heather Jackson, who sometimes we swim together, and in Oceanside, she had a much better swim than I did. Um, but I, I, they, you know, I definitely had to work constantly to stay with the pack for the initial 500-yard all-out sprint, right. <laughs> where you just, you just have to put everything out of your head and just go as hard as you can. And Heather has the course record on this course. She does, yeah. Right. So you, that's a good that's a good person to latch on. Yeah, to. it was a good person to. And I wanted to be with Heather in my sights on the bike too. She's de, the three time defending champion. Yeah. So I was there to to break her streak. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did, so that was your intention then to go in and to lock in with some strong swimmers uh-huh. and to just hold that pace. Mm-hmm. And and not necessarily overreach yourself, right? I mean, that first 500 meters is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. But then after that, just hold pace. And hold the pace. It was. It still always feels hard. The yeah. swim never feels easy. It was an impressive effort. I mean, you were 32nd overall in the swimming, which mm-hmm. against the guys, that's those guys always have a huge mm-hmm. advantage in the swim. You know, big, strong guys and everything else. 
And you came out of the water two minutes and five seconds right. off the leader. That's good. So yeah. you were sitting in not a bad position at all, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, but then moving on to the, you had that crazy transition before we get into the bike. How did that go with that run that you had in the sand and everything else before transition? So I actually, I like this format, um, because the run Heather and I actually caught every single person that had beaten us on the swim, except, um, Rachel who had a great run and then was off on the bike already. So we cut that deficit. We passed everybody and then cut the deficit to Rachel to a minute and 10 seconds. Nice job. So, I mean, it was, I kind of like that because I, we can kind of get ahead then. And it's gotta be pretty different. I assume, I mean, coming out of the water and into transition, I think a lot of people are looking to maybe kind of catch their breath and we're maybe kind of recover. Right. Right. So is this different? I mean, you get out of the water and you've got to go. Right. It was, everyone has their own plan. You know, I, girl, I was, am friends with who was racing there was kind of like, okay, well, this is my plan. And she asked me how the run was and what people do. And I'm like, it's all out sprint. She's like, well, I'm not going to do an all out sprint (laughs) before I have to do this hard 56 mile bike ride. So everyone kind of is on their own plan. Yeah. But it seems like a smart plan to do. I mean, you made up that time right. from the swim. Yeah. So you, you made up time on that two mile run by pushing yourself. It wasn't just, yeah. Um, we, okay. So you yeah. attacked it. Basically. Yeah. We attacked it. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's always the question is where to place an attack yeah, or where to place that. That's mm-hmm. smart. Exploited and, that different format. That's cool. Yeah. And especially because maybe that's a spot where people wouldn't necessarily think to attack yeah. because it wasn't part of their normal triathlon game plan. Right. Like mm-hmm. you usually don't have that. Right. Uh, it's a smart move. So smart. Really smart. So getting into the bike, two hours and 36 minutes is what they have you listed on the, the actual splits and everything else mm-hmm. uh, for the format there. And you were the third female on the bike, which is really good for you. Like mm-hmm. really good, right? Yeah. Compared to last year. Right. I believe last year you were something like, uh, I think you were in the top 10, just barely as far as on the bike leg. So you came up to third female and 26th overall on the bike leg. That's mm-hmm. some really impressive ride it was good (laughs) so what what made that happen because you you made up a huge amount of time i believe you it was a five minutes you 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 were lost or you took five minutes off of your previous time from last year yeah right so where'd you get that and was that part of the plan or how did you make this happen i just think you know again taking off the watts i pushed it a lot harder than i thought and i just thought i'm gonna use this as a training for the iron man but i'm gonna see how hard I can go without worrying about pushing. I've gotten a better feel for how to push hard Mm -hmm. Um, and keeping, you know, Heather kind of in my, I could see them like dots up the road and knowing I was, I don't even, I don't know. I just think experience and time and riding indoors, you know, all winter and you know this route pretty well, right? I know the route. So, it's, so did you have certain helps. spots where you knew that you had to put in a hard effort and maybe not be conservative? Yes. I think on like the false flat downhills, sometimes you can think you make it to the top of the hill and it's like, whew, I get a breather. It's like, well, no, there's no, this race, there's no breathers. You have to like keep pushing even downhill, just crank it into a bigger gear. And so that was kind of like never kind of take a breather and feel like you're, you can rest or settle into, to easy. That's smart. And Chad, that's a super common thing with, I mean, cyclists and triathletes across the board, right? On a course of the climb or these rolling hills, Mm -hmm. you get to the top of the hill and all you want to do is 
kind of pat yourself on the back, so to speak, or give yourself a break. Yeah. But that's yeah. Gotta, it just sounds like this is a much a course where you have to evenly pace. You can't really kill the hills and then expect to recover on the downhill. Right. You, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's key. If you, when you get a, and if you're trying to to catch on somebody or anything else, many times that's the best spot to make up ground. I mean, to not necessarily kill yourself on the climb. To, to keep that power yeah, settle steady. back just a little bit so that you can maintain over the top and then and be mm-hmm. on in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and especially with your size. Um, and to be honest, I mean, a, a fair amount of endurance athletes, you know, they're, they're, they're not necessarily large in stature, so you're, but you're always going against a couple or maybe more athletes that are bigger. When you're going down those downhills that aren't technical or anything else, weight actually becomes a great advantage to them right. rolling down those hills with a lot yeah. more momentum. Yep. Yeah, so you really have to keep your eye on that. It's it's a good spot to catch some time. What did you do as you worked your way into the climb? Did you try to the, the nasty grade as it's called? Did you did you reserve coming into it? Did you kind of catch your breath and roll into it or did you just roll in as you were steady and then take it as it came? No, I I kept pushing as hard as I could. I was thinking though, okay, 20 minutes before I get to the climb, I need to have a gel or nutrition make sure I'm hydrated so that when I do hit that climb, I don't kind of hit the wall. So that was my strategy there. Is, and then once I was climbing, just, I just focused on every training ride I've done and tried to climb strong the whole, like it was a repeat, yeah. like an interval. And then took it a little bit harder on the downhill than I normally would. Cause I just think riding and getting confidence kind of ride after ride is, is helping. That, that makes sense. Did you feel like you crossed your threshold on that climb? It looks like it's a it's a fairly long climb, right? I mean, I think it, what ten minute? Yeah, it's, ten yeah. minute climb. So it's not necessarily a roller. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> you? I'm sure you went over. You felt like you were over your threshold on that, right? Yeah, I think it, not over it, but I was definitely probably at that yeah. that max point of pushing. Yeah, it makes sense. And you, you can't be afraid of crossing that at times. I mean, you're going to have to in the course of your bike leg. Yeah. So many times right. with endurance athletes, you just train at that steady state, you know, your sweet spot work and kind mm-hmm. of flirt with the threshold, but never cross it. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do yeah. it in race day. Yeah. You know? I just kept telling myself, uh, <laughs> like who gives a whatever it's just pain and it's going to go away and who really cares? What's the worst that's going to happen. So that was kind of my mantra every five minutes is what's the worst that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, You'll win the I'm either going to do well and win or I'm going to blow up and learn, know my limits. Yeah. So that's smart. Yeah. Going to those races in, is a preparation race sometimes gives you that attitude of nothing to lose. Right. Nothing. It's you know something that you can carry out throughout the rest of the races too. Um, so you came over the climb and after the climb, it's still got, it doesn't just give you a flat straight run in. It's got rollers after the climb mm-hmm. and even some pretty steep little kicks in there mm-hmm. too. Um, tell me about transition there off the bike. Um, did you feel like you stuck to your game plan or did you exceed your game plan when you were on the bike and did, were you feeling positive after keeping them in sight? Were they in sight? Yeah. So I had, I lost sight of them eventually. They were about three minutes up. So a mile ahead. So I kind of had no idea where I was. Yeah. I glanced down at my time and knew, um, that I had biked well relative to last year's time. So I was, I knew I was in a good spot for me. Um, were you concerned at that point that you had overdone the bike a bit? Mm-mm. No, I wasn't actually. So I heard, so actually coming in, um, I was, I think three minutes and 
3.30 down on the lead. And I thought, okay, 3.30 down on two of like the strongest bikers that are known for their biking. Right. I I was definitely happy with that. I was hoping it would have been more like one and a half or two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the coins, on the flip side of the coin, they were hoping they had gotten more like six minutes on me. So I think they were a little worried that they it was only three minutes. That's kind of been the story perhaps with you and the competition is the sense that they try to maybe break away from you on the bike, right? Uh-huh. Because they know that you're coming on the run. Right. So they need to... They, they feel they need to bike and get as much time as they can there, for right. sure. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. You can stick it to them that way. So were you confident coming into transition that that was a manageable gap in terms of your running to theirs? I did. I think because Heather is also a super runner. So I was thinking, you know, we were well ahead of uh, first, second, and third. We were well ahead of, you know, fourth beyond. So pretty confident in third place and thinking Rachel not knowing the course if you haven't run the course in wildflower it's it's almost like you just you're like is this a joke I mean it just keeps going up and up and up and on trails and it's like at some point you start walking and you're just like what is going on so I think she might have not knowing the course um over either she pushed too hard on the bike or pushed too hard on the beginning stages of the run and I, as I recall, Heather thought that Rachel was the one that she had to watch out for, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So she was thinking, Rachel's the one that I need to watch out mm-hmm. for. You pulled a fast one on her. Yeah. How, how did transition go um, as you came off the bike and into running? Um, so it was good. I grabbed, you know, threw my bike in, and I had my Garmin sitting kind of right there to grab and put on, and I'm like, screw it. I'm not going to run <laughs> once again with knowing my time because there – you're either running straight uphill, downhill, and I don't want to be worrying about my splits again on this tough course where I kind of just wanted to go by feel. So I left that there, and I think it ended up being a good call because I wasn't constantly checking my wrist. I just went off, you know, effort. and That's smart with again, the hilly was... course. I mean, in cycling, we have power measurement, mm-hmm. so we can meter our efforts a little more with that, you know. And once again, hopefully that ties into – perception and you understand what threshold feels like and where you're at but on a running course if you're just going to be using pacing to try to to pace yourself up and over these steep climbs and downhills you you find yourself cooked Uh yeah that makes sense um so you set out on the run and you had of course you were the fastest female runner so kudos on that Mm -hmm. what was your pace it was was it 630 630 holy cow but that was including the first so the second run is at only 10.9 miles. Okay. Oh, so they get credit for that. So they add, yes. Yeah. But they add then those two times together. That's cool. So my overall pace, including the first run and the second run, was 630. Nice. So That's yeah. solid. That's really solid. Um, and you were ninth overall. That's got to feel pretty darn good. You were <laughs> really? in the top 10 overall. Okay. Um, wow. Showing up a lot of guys. Um, pretty cool there. Um, and you came in. Um, you were So the, actually the pace... You came in really close. We'll get to that later. But the actual run split itself, seven minutes and 17 seconds faster than any other female, which is, that's massive. That's a huge, huge amount. I think, I think Heather's time is off actually by three yeah. minutes. That makes so sense. So she was, she, she was right behind me. So, so yeah. she was, I, I'm, let's see, she was three minutes ahead and I, so I only made up three minutes on her. So she would have been 127. That's, that's impressive so, stuff. Yeah. Her timing chip had some issues because she was right on the line at the end. I but, think yeah. she well, collapsed yeah, yeah. before the timing <laughs> match. <laughs> yeah. 
So you set out, this is on trails and on pavement, I assume, this one, right? Yeah, mostly trails and uh, maybe three miles on pavement. And are are these single track trails that are paved or are they, so they're dirt, and then are they off camber, are they narrow, are they trenched out? There's a little bit of everything, but there's, you know, winding kind of quad trails, so like with two wheels, so you try and pick to run where the dirt obviously looks the hardest and not in the soft stuff then rocky kind of uphill um so not not too much single track it's mostly um like fire road type perfect okay that makes sense so you set out on the run you couldn't see heather at that time i assume Mm -mm. chip i heard chip was my husband was standing right at t uh two and told me i was three minutes and 10 seconds down and did you know at that point, like, I mean, Chad hinted at it earlier, but did you know you could win then? Or were no. you still uncertain? Okay, you didn't know. <laughs> okay, yeah. So so walk me through up until that point where you knew you could win. How did your run split go? Um, so I started off, I was like, okay, third, and they're three minutes up. I might catch Rachel because I wasn't sure if she was going to do on this course. Heather knows the course. So I was thinking, okay, second and third is good, but just pace yourself, get in lots of nutrition for the the big climb. And I, I felt pretty good. I mean, I had, um, it's just it, the aid stations, they're entertaining. There's a lot of like college kids that are, yeah. you know, half dressed. And so you I get to an aid station where they really lacked clothing. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure they were only wearing a race belt. Yeah. <laughs> I so, think that happened. Yeah. And their number. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that kind of keeps it really entertaining, but I just kind of was mentally, it's so hard that I was trying to put myself in the, um, like I run a lot of trails here in Reno. So I run, you know, sometimes it's three miles uphill and I'm pushing and breathing and not really looking at my watch a lot. Cause obviously uphill you're, you're going to be slower. So I just kind of pretended like I was on kind of a hard training run yeah. to get through. And you do a lot of that. You live right by, you live right at the base of the mountains. Right. And you have a lot of trails for that. Right? Yeah. It's either uphill or downhill leaving home. So, yeah. Right. That makes sense. So at what point could you see Heather at what point in the run? So let's see. I, it, it was about mile eight when I finally got my first split and a, a girl who's just passing out water and is like, okay, two minutes down on the lead. And I was kind of looked at her and I'm like, okay, she maybe doesn't know how to track time or doesn't know the paces because she's young and she's just a call. I I could not trust that that was accurate information, but I was like, wow, if I put in a minute and then I get to an, like another aid station and they're like, you're one minute down. And that was, you know, within like a mile. And it's like, wait a minute, this can't be right. And it's so hard to see anyone on the, the course because it's, you know, all in trails and there's trees blocking and you're up, you're down. So finally I came around and there's also campsites everywhere. So you're running through everyone's campsites where there's trailers and people are lounging and drinking and cheering. Um, so then I crested up a hill and down a hill and I kind of looked forward and I saw Rachel who's in red and she's very tall. So she was easy to spot probably about a minute up. And then Heather was about, 20 yards behind her. So wow. I was like, took a big breath. It's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. And that's when you drop the hammer. <laughs> it's on. It up then? Yeah. I just, 
I mean, I must have, but I wasn't thinking of like that. Right. I was kind of watching what was happening with them, the two of them. So did you, I mean, in road cycling, that's a really common thing to kind of let a guy hang out and burn out when he's up front there and then kind of place an attack Mm -hmm. right when the time is right. Did you do that on the run? Did you wait? Oh yeah. I I kind of waited. And so I saw Heather pass Rachel and Rachel kind of was imploding and wasn't looking good. So I knew, okay, just steady yourself. You're going to pass Rachel. I passed her and kind of gave her a pat on the back. I'm like, let's go. Cause the three of us all have the same coach. So we've trained together. We know each other. So we're competitors, but we're also cheering each other on. Um, and then Heather was about, you know, 20, 30 yards up. And it's funny because she'd never looked over her shoulder to see if anyone was coming or passing because there's like a rule where you're, when you're running, you're not supposed to look over your shoulder. Well, I was kept looking over after I passed (laughs) Rachel, like, is she coming with me? Is she coming with me? Okay, no, she's good. So now I just had to focus on Heather. Yeah. And I I knew it, I didn't want to blast by her with a a mile to go. So I just kind of steadily, plus she was running super fast and I steadily just made, you know, five feet increments every minute. And the last mile is straight downhill, kind of arms flailing all out, just legs pounding in the pavement. Yeah. So we, we hit that together. Um, and the, she was biking with the lead biker and the lead biker said, Oh, she's catching back up to you. And she was thinking, Oh, Rachel must've like had a second wind. Cause I was surprised she was, wouldn't look back and knew it was me. Yeah. Just because we, we run and, you know, together at training and we kind of know how each other runs. So I was a little surprised at that. Um, and then it kind of gets to the bottom and flattens out. And I think she was probably out of energy at that point because the downhill was giving us the momentum. Yeah. So I just was like, I am not going to give this opportunity up for like a, a two minute sprint. So I guess I just, I felt good and passed her or I caught right up to her shoulder shoulder to shoulder on the flat part. And then we entered the finishing shoot, which is super long. I mean, it's like, you just feel like you're never going to get to the end of it. And I was like, okay, just kind of close your eyes, take a deep breath and do like a 30 second pickup. Like we do sometimes in just training. Yeah. So I picked it up and just kind of all out sprinting and looked back and she didn't come with me. (laughs) Then I kept running, you know, I don't think it was, it felt like a fast pace. And then I kept looking back and she wasn't coming with me, but I never wanted to like give up and think like start cheering or slapping hands because what if she was like, I thought she was like tricking me and like making it look like she wasn't going to make it. And then she was going to blast by me as I'm like high-fiving people. So it was I didn't really get to soak in like what was happening. Cause all I cared about was making sure I was ahead of her when we crossed. That's awesome. That's so. awesome. Yes. Yeah, sprint to the line <laughs> and you took it and you took it in the shoot pretty much. Right. I mean, that's what you yeah. I mean, right at the start. Yeah. That's impressive shoot. stuff. Um, so you're, when we look at the overall times and everything else, your bike split was a lot faster. Your run was faster as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like because you've been putting more emphasis on the bike, do you feel like that helped your run as well? Or do you feel like the run was, or do you feel like your pacing on the bike didn't allow you to, to, to go so hard on the run or what, what do you think? Cause that's one common thing. You set it on the bike 
maybe you have a plan, maybe you don't you stick to it, or you go as hard as you can, and then you end up being worked for the run. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like part of the the reason why your run was so fast was because of all the training on the bike you've been doing? Pro- yeah, probably because I'm getting everything's getting stronger on the bike, so yeah. it's leaving me fresher for the run. And yes, on a, on a course with so many hills, I assume that you're many times going to be forced to go higher on your power output than you would on a course that would be flatter, mm-hmm. you know, get closer or over threshold more times mm-hmm. throughout that course. And mm-hmm. if you're prepared to handle that, you can actually have something left. Right. Yeah. Do, you, do you address it in training? Do you have like harder intervals, super threshold intervals? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's training. Sometimes my intervals are, I, I would never be able to hit in a race because yeah. you're, you know, you're in trade. I want to train harder. So then I do actually, I, I race as hard too, but sometimes those intervals in training have to be harder than you're able to race. I mean, if it's five minutes or 15 minutes, that's only five minutes. So it has to be harder. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's the, that's the smart concept there. It's not you're, you know, the, the difficulty is not a constant for an, for an endurance athlete or a triathlete. It should always be based off of your FTP and you should be right. structuring your intervals like that. Yeah. It's smart. So looking at your overall time, um, four thirty two oh seven is what they say on there. Mm-hmm. Um, first female and 19th overall kudos on that. It's pretty impressive stuff. Um, so you were three seconds ahead of second place technically. And then from the timing chip the error, timing, yeah, it's all over a... the place. So really close finish. Good job on, on nabbing at the end. <laughs> You're only five minutes and 52 seconds off the course record, which mm-hmm. is pretty impressive stuff. And right. we looked at it, and if you had stuck with the leaders on the day, right? Mm-hmm. So if you'd stuck with them through swim, transitions, and, and then on the bike all the way up to the run. So if you'd stuck with the leaders up until the point where the run was, you would have been all the way up to, you would have been nine seconds ahead of the course record. So you really had a strong pace. I did. And also you have to factor in that the last two years with the change of course, I think it's actually a harder course because you are transitioning an extra time. Okay. That's the transition. So factoring in just from last year and this year where it's been the changed course, last year Heather did a 434. So I was two minutes. So that's, I'm basing it just off last year's time right? because we don't know what it would have been before. That's awesome. Yeah, so. They should reset that record if they're going to change the course. Right. They yeah, they certainly <laughs> do. Um, 3% overall improvement from 2014. Pretty darn impressive. Wow. Um, 4% improvement, just under 4% improvement on the bike. And I mean just under. Uh-huh. So really impressive stuff. And just under 5%, but I rounded up on the run. So that's, that's massive, massive improvement mm-hmm. in one year. What's different this year? What, what's, because to be honest, you were kind of at the pinnacle. You finished seventh at Kona last year Mm -hmm. and not far off the pace of the leaders. So that's kind of at the pinnacle of sport. And a lot of people would say that an athlete that's that close may be reaching their peak, but clearly you've not, Mm -hmm. you haven't reached your peak. Right. So what's different this year? Um, you know, I was telling my husband, Chip, I really, two years ago, I probably, I really used to dread biking. Like I'd see a four hour ride, a five hour ride. I'm like, I just, I just want to run. I love swimming. So I really never have embraced the bike until the last, you know, six months to a year. I'm really like trying to feel, let myself enjoy getting outside and biking. It doesn't always have to be, you know, all out sprinting with the Audi team guys. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't, ha- you know, it, it can be fun. 
And so I've like started really enjoying biking and enjoying pushing myself and then enjoying, you know, indoor cycling more, being able to set, you know, I did a, so I did a trainer session before, um, wildflower on the trainer road program and the Wahoo kicker. And I realized how ridiculously hard it is to, when you set those intervals and you have to maintain them, you know, it really absolutely just kicked my butt. I mean, you so. have a good point. It's an undervalued component of training that there has to be a, a pretty high level of enjoyment. But to be an elite athlete, you have to enjoy training. Right. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. Right. You know, we feel it in our normal day-to-day jobs. You know, the average Joe does, I should say, in the sense that you get just fatigued of doing your job. And although it seems like an athlete would have the best life in the world and always mm-hmm. enjoy going out, being outside, doing everything else, just like everybody else's job, it's a job. Mm-hmm. And it starts to wear on you, and you really have to find ways to inject that in. Mm-hmm. That's that's smart. And, and, I mean, you're always on a TT bike, so mm-hmm. it's not as if you're going to be taking that down the bike path with the kids, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, when you go out and ride, finding things to enjoy about it, it's just so key. Right. And, and that's kind of one of the things that we always do, because everyone thinks of Trainer Road as just like a 100% focus indoor power, mm-hmm. you know, focus work. and that's what it is all about. I, I know for myself and Chad's like this a lot as well. We do our structured work. We get it done in the time that we have scheduled. And then we get out and we have fun on the bike too. We mm-hmm. go out and we do long rides. fun indoors too. It's, yeah. it's, it's a little tougher, but you can do it. Yeah, you exactly. can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing like that feeling of satisfaction. <laughs> right. When you actually finish the interval like you're supposed to and you can see that, you know. Um, and training harder inside always ends up, or just I should say just training harder always sets you up for race day better. You know, that's right. a smart way to do it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, good job, Liz. Yeah. Thank you. It you, was, you, uh, you definitely exceeded expectations. You've been using trainer road for a while. So we, we were always, you know, we're paying attention so closely mm-hmm. to see how you've been doing and see how the, how the improvements gone and mm-hmm. you've been blowing everything out of the water. So. Did you compare my Watts per kilogram to yours. <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. That would be embarrassing no, for me. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. hoping you had a whole thing on that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that next time. Okay. But thanks a bunch, Liz. Thanks for joining yeah. us. Um, and thanks for everybody else that uh, joined us as well here um, for Coach Chad and Liz Lyles. Yep. Thank you Absolutely. for having me. Yeah. We'll see you guys next time. Happy training. Thanks, everyone.